First Corinthians chapter five, verses six through 13. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with the sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? It is not those inside the church whom you are to judge. God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, Jackson. So Jennifer and I have been (laughs) going through 1 Corinthians and the recurring joke that keeps coming up is how unrelatable First Corinthians right. is to us in the modern age. Goodness. Like, um, it is it, it is chilling how much it seems to reach into uh, the the world and church culture right. that we live in. And uh, you know, we're continuing in this chapter to deal with the sad and serious sin of sexual immorality, mm-hmm. and. You know, we have to be careful and wise and discerning and reading stuff like this because I think we can make some easy misreading and mistakes and false assumptions and, um, you know, even misread Paul's tone sure. here. Because, um, you know, I think a lot of us in our Western mind, it's easy to read this and see like a, a judgmental, prudish old man, you right. know, disgruntled old uh, guy who who is kind of calling out all these wicked people and, and, you know, very self-righteous or whatever. That's certainly not what's happening here. As we've already seen in the letter, this is Paul who lovingly views himself. He views himself as the past or the father pastor of these people and, and views them as his beloved children. And so he's concerned for them. He's admonishing and correcting them. And one of the major ways right now is sexual immorality. And he uses this metaphor of leaven, and then he kind of unpacks that a little bit more. And then he lands in a really interesting place, which I'm excited to talk about. But yeah, what are your thoughts on everything going on here? Oh, man, there's there's really a lot that we could cover in this passage. You know, you know the the joke, right? This, this isn't at all uh, relevant to what yeah, we experience yeah, here in yeah. Atlanta, Georgia. On that note, you know, verse six is so interesting to me how it begins. Your boasting is not good. And this kind of picks up a little bit of a theme that was uh, already being developed in the beginning of chapter five. But it, it seems that the Corinthians are aware that this sexual morality is not good, but for some reason, they're nevertheless tolerating it. Mm. And um, as I've studied this passage in the past, uh, it seems that scholars will will kind of hone in on two different things or maybe... Maybe they're the same thing, but there seems to be this kind of antinomian spirit that says that uh, as Christians, we can do whatever we want to do. Yeah. Um, we're, we're freed from the law. Therefore, uh, we can get rid of the law and we can we can do what we want. But there, there's also seems to be um, something at work in the the 
really the power dynamics in the church of Corinth, Mm -hmm. where it seems like some people can do what they want and they get a free pass, whereas others don't. Um, Mm. And and so one of the things that scholars will point out here is, is that there's at least a likelihood that this uh, sexually immoral person that they're uh, considering in chapter five is someone who has influence Mm -hmm. and they don't really want to deal with this guy because uh, he's important. Yeah. And and so they're boasting in the fact that they're tolerating his sin and not handling it in uh, a legitimate um, God honoring sort of way. Mm-hmm. And to that, Paul says, don't you understand that if you endure a little bit of sin, it, it's not going to just stay static. It's not going to rest. Yeah. It's going to spread. It's going to be like a drop of ink and water. It doesn't just stay that little drop. No, it spreads and it and it it fills the entire glass yeah. of water with ink, right? Yeah. Um, or, you know, just to use Paul's image, it's it's like a, you know, a sourdough starter, right? You know, you 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 start with the 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 little bit of starter. You start with a little bit of yeast, but then mm-hmm. it spreads. Mm-hmm. Um and, and so the leaven leavens the whole lump. Uh and, and so the consequences of enduring sin, whether it be for these sort of like theological no law reasons or because we're enduring uh people sin because we don't want to you know yeah. rock the boat we totally. don't want to say something hard to the guy who gives a lot or to the guy who has some sort of influence or power mm-hmm. it, the consequences are the purity of the church being um being compromised and god not receiving the glory that is due his name and, and so therefore paul says there is a type of judgment that is legitimate for the christian to consider what's happening within the church and to respond accordingly for the glory of God and the good of the church. And mm-hmm. therefore let's cut out the evil that's amongst us. And it's a pretty hard word, but it's an important word. Yeah. He lands it in a really interesting place. And this is where I think it gets really creepily <laughs> close to the bullseye or like straight on the bullseye <laughs> of what we see around us a lot. And he says, I'm now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality, interesting here, or greed, or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. And so, you know, here we have this really, you know, this hits back into the church discipline vein. Basically, what he's saying is to treat somebody who's just, you know, perpetuating this sort of sin and lifestyle right. as though it's a good thing or, or, you know, just namelessly carrying on with it to call that, you know, Christian little Christ is dishonoring Christ. It's poisoning the church. And this is where I think it's really interesting for what have I to do with judging outsiders? Right. Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God mm-hmm. judges those outside. And, and so, you know, and I, I, want to tread lightly here because there's a lot of nuance and wisdom necessary, but you don't have to be around like evangelical circles a lot before you hear, you know, talk about the culture and, and, you know, just all the like sexual revolution and gender, you know, whatever the whole gamut, Uh celebrities, whatever, like all the immorality outside the church. And yet you know, I, there's almost this like sense of tolerance with, with sexual sin inside the church sometimes, you know, like the fact that 
pornography pervades the lives of so, so, so many people. And yet, you know, we, we kind of gather together and, and we'll sometimes like treat that really softly, but then what can like incite so much anger is what we see outside. Right. And Paul's saying, you know, what are, what are you doing? Like you're, you're trying to put out a fire, like out, you know, in the woods while your mm-hmm. house is burning down. Right. So I don't know, what are, what are your thoughts on that and how we can like address sin and like cultural sway outside the church in a wise way while keeping the purity of the church, our top concern. Yeah. It's a great question because you know, what is happening outside the church certainly matters and, and there could be a great amount of influence. Um, so so what happens outside of outside of the church can influence what happens within the church and and so you know there is a an aspect where we want to be cognizant of what's going on outside of the church we want mm-hmm. to be wise to what's going on outside of the church we mm-hmm. want to be those people who are innocent as doves but wise as serpents and mm-hmm. so there's a there's a real good and benefit in being a good cultural exegete but we also have to remember the whole counsel of of god and remember that you know our our struggle is not against flesh and blood like our enemies are not people out there those yeah. people who are on the the wrong aisle political aisle or um who are our ideological foe on issue x or issue y mm-hmm. but rather we are uh in in a battle we are uh fighting a fight against the flesh and against yeah. powers and yeah. principalities and there is a a spiritual reality to this world uh, and and so we can often kind of take aim at the wrong enemy, yeah. and in so doing, we end up kind of um, struggling in our fight for uh, purity, for the glory of God, for the good of neighbor, because we're we're focused on on mm-hmm. something that is kind of um, tertiary, beside the point, if, if that makes sense. And so, um, so yeah, what what does this passage say? It says. Uh, let's focus on the household of God and and let's be mindful that what happens with inside within the church is to display a wonderful spiritual reality that God is good and that he saves sinners and that uh, that he will reign forever. Mm-hmm. And part of the way that that's going to happen is by us taking sin seriously. And, and if we take it seriously to the degree where, you know, I'm being prideful or I'm being arrogant or I'm being greedy and you as my friend come to me and say, Hey, you know, I'm noticing some things about you. Can, can I just bring this up? And we're able to, to have church discipline at that level. Yeah. When, when that begins to pervade a culture or a community, um, we, we don't have to get to this point where these things get so big and so public and so hard, uh, but rather we can maintain the purity of the church at this very, um, you know, organic, natural level. And it results in a lot of joy and satisfaction and peace amongst the people of God. Yeah, so. absolutely. You know, and accountability, it's its so often viewed as sort of this like tertiary, nice if you have it, mm-hmm. add on right. to the Christian life. And um, even a lot of times what we view as accountability is really just confession. You know, like yeah. it's a bunch of guys sitting in a circle saying like, 
Oh, I watched porn this week. Oh, I watched porn this week too. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, dang it. Well, we'll get them next week. Sure. And then, you know, like in the Christian blogosphere and, and everything podcast world and everything else, like what is really attacked is like sort of like judging the, like the priorities and motives and values of like the quote unquote outsiders here that Paul talks about. And it's so clear, like our, our primary energy should be our sanctification and and the sanctification of our friends and our brothers and our pastors and, you know, safeguarding our pastors against becoming greedy and swindlers and sexually immoral mm-hmm. and safeguarding our friends and family members from being greedy, idolaters, sexually immoral, swindlers, whatever. That should be what, what gets the blood hot in our veins, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and we should... Or what were you about saying? Oh, no, no. Yeah, you're uh, good. I was going to say that these are all things we should care about. Like, yeah. again, you know, we should we should long for the world we live in to flourish and, and to, um, you know, we know that that comes from the rule of Christ. Mm-hmm. But it's just important to think of like what that, you know, how do we go about that? And, and it has to start at the root, which is the church pursuing yeah. Christ. Amen. Yeah, you know, this is I, not to get too technical here, but... um you know, we're thinking about those categories of outsiders and insiders and outside mm-hmm. the church, and inside the church, you know, uh, Christians of old had these categories of law and gospel. Mm-hmm. And um, at the end of the day, law can't change people's hearts. Mm-hmm. You know, law uh, can make us aware of our need for a changed heart. It can drive us to the one who can change our heart, but in itself, it can't change our heart. Yeah. And so I think part of what you're getting earlier is that, you know, if we're going to be super concerned about judging those outside of the church and we're going to do so with law, so you are violating God's holy law by doing X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Now there might be some good in that and that we make people aware that they've transgressed God's holy law, but that in itself is never going to change a person's heart. Mm-hmm. But gospel can yeah. Th- this offer of free grace in Christ Jesus, who lived the life that we could not live and died the death that we deserve to die, and rose to life, triumphing over the grave. That can actually change somebody's heart. That's mm-hmm. the word of Christ that's referred to in the Book of Romans that produces faith in people. Yeah, and so you know when we're talking about judging uh, outsiders versus insiders, or what do outsiders versus insiders need? Well, outsiders, you know, they need to be freed from the dominion uh, or from their slavery to these things, just Mm -hmm. like we were Mm -hmm. when we were uh, redeemed to Christ. Mm -hmm. And we have that gospel word that God uses to redeem people to himself. And so, you know, rather than a word of condemnation and judgment, um, you know, we, we need to be heralding the gospel word that saves. Um, and that gospel word is also going to be the word that frees those who are in Christ, Absolutely. who continue to struggle against the flesh and, and fail. And so, again, the law is going to drive us to Jesus, but we have to be quick to give people Jesus that we might have power over sin. Yeah. Amen. Well, a great word from First Corinthians 6, or sorry, 5. We'll be yeah. in 6 tomorrow. So yeah. I got so excited about it <laughs> that I just jumped ahead. But for today, for Jackson Randall, this is Will Carlisle. We'll see you tomorrow morning. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ's Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you 
more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for our daily rhythm.